Hello, kings and queens. You're listening to Affirmations of Excellence, an offering of personal devotionals to fuel your faith. I am your guide, Dr. Ariel Ellis. This is a space of encouragement and inspiration for anyone determined to be their best self and seeking how to discover the excellence within. The person who lives a life of excellence is one who is willing to do and to dare. As royalty, we are not called to mediocrity. We are called to excellence. Excellence is a result of a prosperous, well-lived, fulfilled life. And this podcast is for those who sense a royal calling on your life. Those who are learning to hear God's voice and clarity and need motivation for the assignment. And those who want to live out his calling with excellence. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God wants to bless you? You may say yes, but in your heart, do you really believe it's true? Are you truly okay with whatever he chooses to do in your life and however he chooses to do it? Can you live God's way and completely be content? It's time to have an honest talk about contentment. Let's dive in. Okay, hold up. Wait. Before we jump into this episode, I want you to know something. I am so grateful that you're listening to the Affirmations of Excellence podcast. But I need you to like, share, and subscribe. Do it now. Okay? All right. Let's dive in. There's a song we love to sing at church with a line that says, Any way you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. Recently, I started to think, why are we singing this lie? This ain't true. I love this song. And I mean every word when I am singing it in worship. But when I really think about it, I don't know if it's always true. To be satisfied with anything God does, any way he decides to bless you, is a sign of spiritual maturity. The kind of maturity that signals a sense of contentment. What is contentment? We've heard the word contentment, but do we really know what it means to be content? Contentment is not a word used frequently nowadays as people are immersed in their day-by-day routine. But let me tell you a quick story. I told you all in a few episodes uh, in season one how I'm a bit of an overachiever. I am not intentionally attempting to overachieve. I just generally think of a task and I come up with an idea and I find a way to go all out. (laughs) That's it. I also share with you how I like to set goals and how I work very intentionally about achieving them. Recently in a session with my therapist, she made me consider my goal setting ways and asked me, Ariel, do you see yourself as someone who is always striving? And initially my answer is no. I have a big, beautiful life and I just simply try to make the best of it. I want to do all the things God has called me to do before he calls me home. But when she reframed it, she asked, would you be more content with not striving or say maybe doing absolutely nothing? Well, that's when my answer got a little bit more straightforward because I've always operated under the agreement that we're all human beings and not human doings. So when I really try to focus on my being, which means I'm maximizing all that God has called me to be, even in that though, it requires some doing. So when it comes to maximizing my time, setting goals, living life full out, I can't help but wonder, how do I remain content 
when these high achieving human doing type pursuits start to materialize and take off or when they don't quite reach the outcomes I had hoped for. There are words that are used a lot in our society that are part of our present and most popular lexicon. Words like success, ambition, achievement, and winning. But there are a few words that we don't give enough attention to. In my view, the word contentment is one that is used rather sparingly. Is it because we don't actually know what it means or that we don't experience it enough to express the feeling? Say for instance, there is something you've wanted to do desperately for a very long time. And once you get exactly what you asked for, you feel satisfied and accomplished for the moment. And then you soon start to want more or bigger or different or better. And because we all have needs, financial needs, health needs, relational needs, and the list goes on, we can't always see clearly what our real need is in order to keep us content because the striving that my therapist spoke to me about keeps us wanting and longing for more and then doing more to actually get it and keep it. The contentment thing, yeah, we just gonna have to circle the block on that one. <laughs> because contentment can feel like this abstract concept. Enough isn't enough and too much is kind of too much. So how do you strike a balance? Contentment is finding joy and peace in God's provision. It's a sense of satisfaction with good and bad circumstances that make you trust him. Contentment is more about God than it is about you. It is knowing he has the best available for you and that through your relationship with him, you can seek his best. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 12, Apostle Paul expresses, I understand how to be abased and how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned the secret of being full and being hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. He's essentially saying, I know what it's like to have plenty and I've learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in lack. Even more, Paul articulates his point in this manner. My contentment arises from the presence of Jesus Christ and his satisfaction within me. So let's put some context around Paul's life at the time that he declared his state of contentment. The area of Philippi was a Roman colony where Apostle Paul planted a church during New Testament times. Philippi represents the first church that Paul planted in Europe. Philippi's prosperity was largely dependent upon neighboring gold mines where enormous amounts of gold were discovered in the vicinity. The book of Acts tells that during Paul's ministry in Philippi, he exercised a demon from a slave girl, which angered the slave owners. And the city magistrates had Paul and his accomplice Silas beaten for doing so. And then they turned them over to the Philippian jailer. While in prison, Paul wrote a letter to the congregation at Philippi, specifically to its overseers and its deacons. This letter is found in the book of Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 26, and throughout the entire book. Paul's church plant in Philippi had gained early converts like Lydia, a wealthy female entrepreneur who was a seller of purple dyes and who would host all the members of the new congregation at her home. 
and like actually the Philippian jailer who was responsible for the oversight of Paul while he was in prison. But he soon became a follower of Christ and brought his entire household to Christ as well. The church at Philippi loved Paul. So the letter he wrote to them reflected the love that he had for them as well. The letter exudes Paul's joy, repeatedly encourages the Philippians toward unity, warns them against false teaching, and thanks them for their financial support. The Philippians even showed their concern for Paul by sending someone from the congregation to care for him while he was in prison. Throughout his missionary journeys and his overall ministry, Paul encountered both adversity and moments of plenty. He experienced hunger, imprisonment, and persecution. He also witnessed, however, the transformative power of the gospel. He saw communities of believers flourish and received all kinds of support, especially financial, from fellow Christians. So as Paul is writing this letter, he is expressing the lessons that he's learned through a variety of experiences. He even links his imprisonment to the progression of the gospel. He states that he has discovered the secret of being content in every situation, whether facing abundance or lack. His contentment doesn't rely on external circumstances, but his relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the strength that he draws from that relationship. Paul's claim of contentment in Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 is rooted in his personal experiences, which include triumphs and challenges that he encountered as a devoted follower of Christ. His perspective on contentment emphasizes the transformative power of faith and the ability to find peace and satisfaction in Christ regardless of the circumstances. In the Greek, the term content signifies learning through experience. Therefore, Paul had acquired this knowledge through firsthand experience. Consider your own life. For you to really understand marriage would involve navigating challenges within the context of marriage itself, not solely through reading books and taking marriage advice from podcasts. For you to really manage your finances well would involve learning as much as you can through times of financial hardship and through times of financial abundance relying on the Lord and remaining generous rather than just perusing through the Wall Street Journal, then reading a Bible verse, hoping for some type of occasional alignment. <laughs> Only is it through actively undergoing experiences and progressing forward that we acquire the wisdom that it takes to be content. There are always going to be crises in life, always something to fear about or worry over. There's always going to be a desire for more, always something to reach and strive for. Because we know that God is with us in all things, we should want to find our contentment in him. What is it that you crave? Are you satisfied with whatever God does and however he shows up? Can you be content about an uncertain future? How do you know when enough is enough or too much is too much? Can you handle what you've been given and nothing more? Take a second to think about it. I want to be clear that contentment is not complacency. God promises us an abundant life. And if he did not believe that for us, he wouldn't have offered it. Hear me, it is not at any point ever stopping to believe 
God for more. So complacency where there is no hope for more or better or greater cannot be the contentment that Paul was expressing. Even in his suffering, he knew there was more work to do, more churches to plant, and more people to convert to the gospel of Christ. If he was complacent, he would have settled for being in jail and just accepted his circumstances. This is why you cannot confuse contentment with complacency. The reason is because contentment is rarely learned when things are going great. So when you think about the changes that are occurring, when God is driving your heart toward contentment, you realize that those changes are not necessarily trying to find a resting spot. They are trying to find a launching point. This is the point where you discover that the secret of contentment is not striving to have more. It is, as Paul suggests, to actually want what you have and to find satisfaction in where you are and to realize that God has given you all that you need. Contentment helps us appreciate what we already have. Never not wanting or believing for greater, but getting to a space where you can be fully confident in God, even if you're not in the most ideal or desirable situation. I also want to be clear about this too. Sometimes the enemy can distract us with discontentment. Sometimes we actually are experiencing contentment in a healthy and godly way, and the enemy finds a way to disrupt that flow. This is because the enemy wants to distract us to focus on what's missing in our lives instead of what's already there. And while I'm here, let me add this too. There will be moments when you are content and you begin to feel agitated by your circumstances. When this happens, don't take it as a sign of ungratefulness. Consider this as a signal for growth. There are perhaps levels of growth maturity and humility for you to reach where you can live consistently in contentment more and more. To do so doesn't mean that you remain at the state of contentment that you've been in. God wants to do more in your life. So as you feel the discomfort or the nudge or the push, remember that it's an opportunity for you to experience contentment over and over again in various seasons of your life and at higher heights. For instance, in his letter to the Philippian church, Apostle Paul not only talks about how to deal with uncertainty and find contentment, in that same letter he also wrote, do not be anxious about anything, in verse 6, and declared, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, in verse 13. He expressed his contentment, rebuked anxiety, and proclaimed his power to do all things through Christ, all while he was in chains in a prison cell. Throughout Paul's entire letter, we're able to witness how his decision to be content was actually giving him more hope and more strength and more peace. So I ask you this, are you content in the Lord? I hope so. I honestly am. I mean, even when I have moments of discontentment, I really have to check in with myself and ask, am I disturbing my own peace? Is this the enemy trying to distract me? Or is God just calling me to a higher level of consciousness about who I am and who he is and how he's leading my life? Whatever comes my way, can I be content? No matter what you have experienced or are experiencing, I want to declare for you that there is more. The promise that is embedded in God's word causes us to lift up our eyes higher and dream bigger and go deeper 
into the unending capacity of the one who saved us and set us free. But do not do this until you have thanked God for what you have and for who he is. Contentment comes from counting the blessings that you have in Christ. When we surrender to him, we walk in peace, full of the contentment that we know that the Lord is at work. What Paul has taught us is that contentment has come in Jesus Christ from his living in our hearts. If God is the content in your heart, he will be the contentment of your heart. That is the true place of contentment. When we sing this song again at church, any way you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. I will reflect on my present contentment and hope that there's more from where that came from. So whatever God chooses for me will be enough. Because as long as I have him, I have everything I need. So here's my challenge to you. Live with expectancy, but not at the expense of your contentment. Count your blessings and give thanks. Steep yourself in his promises while enjoying every facet of his faithfulness. Ask God to surprise you with his goodness and favor so that you can experience contentment more and more and help others have a willing heart to do the same. Make more room for God to fill your heart with contentment and watch him make more of your dreams come to life. I pray that as you do so, you will become more aware of God's love for you. Now that we've learned how to rest in the joy of contentment, let's pursue these affirmations for the moment. Say this with me. I am content with who I am and with what I have in this moment. I find joy and fulfillment in the simple pleasures of life. I choose to let go of worry and embrace contentment. I am grateful for the abundance that surrounds me both big and small. I release the need for more and choose to be content with the blessings I already have. I trust that God's plan for me is perfect and I will find contentment in his will. Kings and Queens, May you be fully equipped to master excellence in the world on this day. I thank you for the privilege to speak into your life. Go be excellent and don't forget your crowns. <laughs>